0: Welcome to today, and welcome to Death Valley Girls Podcast. I'm Bonnie, and I talk to heroes about what excites them, and we also talk about the mysteries of the universe. This week, we have Dawn Hurwitz, another author and former Source family member. May seem like we have themes on this show intentionally, but I'm merely a channel. I cannot predict the future. Dawn has a book that has just come out, or is coming out on October 17th, wherever that lands, wherever this comes out. Um... That is a memoir called Psychedelic Wild Child: coming of age in the Source Family culture. By now you probably know my gateway drug to the Source Family is Jody Willie, the best director in the universe. She directed the Source Family documentary, which completely blew my mind and shook my reality. I always wanted to see and know what a spiritually dedicated and motivated communal living utopia would look like. And that movie and the Source Family absolutely are that to a T. I think we are so obsessed with duality, we forget that there can be good found in bad, and bad found in good. And in the Source family, the good was so, so cool. I love Dawn's experience and perspective in the family, and cannot believe the amazing and insanely awesome life she made for herself after. I'm excited for y'all to hear this episode, and I'll attach the link to get her book in the show notes. Now, please welcome to your head and heart, Dawn. Hi. Thank you so much for coming here. I'm uh super honored to talk to you and so excited to hear um your story and your wonderful rich life of adventure. Um and I guess uh, first uh what is your name?
1: My name is Dawn Hurwitz and I was in the Source family and known as Galaxy in the Source family.
0: Super cool. Well, for anyone that hasn't uh heard the uh prior episodes, we talked with Jody Wiley and Isis Aquarian. Um all uh Jody directed um my favorite movie in the whole wide world, the Source Family documentary. And I guess what's so exciting to me um is that I guess if your favorite movie in the world was say ET, and but it was a real movie, and then you got to meet all the kids. Uh, like yeah. ten years after you were totally obsessed with them. That's that's how this feels to me. It's just, it's my favorite movie. It's become my favorite topic. Um, it's such an exciting time, I think, in uh, the world, and particularly America. And uh, I'm from Los Angeles, so it's it's one of the things that I think is su- a super cool thing that's happened in Los Angeles. Um and yeah so I'm so excited to talk to you and get to hear your story about this what is one of the wildest times in history I think um and coolest and um thought provoking and and you know self reflective and all these things but uh without further ado <laughs> uh please tell me yeah how you how you found yourself um, on this adventure.
1: Um, I was a terribly precocious child. Um, (laughs) I was running ahead of the crowd in every sense of the word. And um, I mean, my body exploded when I was 13 and I was like a full grown woman. And so I was putting myself in all these experiences that A woman would go through during those times, and uh, you know, at thirteen, it was nineteen sixty nine, and I was just really into the music. I was smoked pot. I got into taking acid. I was just really into all of the 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 things that made us more open minded in the day. And there was a lot less judgment around. Well, there was a lot of judgment. It was just in a different way. It wasn't that the cancel culture wasn't there. And um, please excuse me, any of your younger members of the audience, because I'm just an old lady now and I'm reflecting on my life and it is what it is. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to insult anyone, but this is just, it was an absolutely fantastic time to be alive. So by the time I turned 16, I had this indescribable urge to just get out, go to a rock show, a big festival, because I had never been able to. And um, through circumstances, I was able to get to Colorado for the first ever Rainbow Festival in Granby Pass, Colorado. And from there, I ended up going with friends to the West Coast, and I found myself at The Source. Wow. A friend of mine that I had met in Chicago, he was leaving for this, the California. And I said, well, where are you going? And he said, well, if you want to know where it's at, it's at, it's all in L.A. And he didn't tell me about the restaurant. He didn't tell me about this whole thing going on. He just said, if you want to know where it's at. So I thought, okay, I do. <laughs> and so I got there in the middle of the night. Well, the middle of the night was 9 o'clock then. The restaurant <laughs> closed. Like, I, I actually tell this story in my book. I just it's coming out
0: <laughs> psychedelic wild child
1: psychedelic wild child. yes, beautiful and, cover. Thank you. If you'll notice,
0: oh wow, it's in yes. the background as well.
1: Cool. yes, it's um it's a painting that's been in my family for a long time. Wow. My mom normally sits at this desk doing okay. FaceTime because she won't talk on the phone anymore at all. She just wants to talk FaceTime, which is fine. And I was <laughs> talking with her one day and I needed a cover for my book and I'm looking at this picture and I said, that's it. That's cool. Um. Anyway, so I do write about all these adventures in my book. It's yeah. coming out October 17th. Oh, cool. And, um. So I get to the source, and I, I get, I end up in the back sleeping in the teepee because everyone was asleep at the. They were just. It was just a cleanup crew at the restaurant. Yeah. So I slept in the teepee, and in the middle of the night, I woke up and I looked up, and there is the face of what appears to me in my juvenile psyche as God. <laughs> staring down at me like you know two feet away from my face yeah i was just kind of like wide awake looking at him and he said oh it's all right it's all right somebody told me you were out here and i wanted to make sure you were okay and i was like okay <laughs> he said, go back to sleep someone will come and get me in the morning i went right back to sleep wow and when i woke up in the morning and went to the first meditation in the parking lot in the gravel uh, when it was a parking lot next to the source. Um, I just knew I was where I was supposed to be.
0: Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. And is there, what, what do you call him? I, I don't know what, I guess, I don't know what I'm supposed to call him.
1: Uh Call him whatever you like. Um okay. I refers <laughs> to him a lot as father Yod because she feels like that's, I don't know. I I refer to him as Yehoah because that's okay. that was the last I knew him was Yehoah. and of course so I hang on to that. Okay. Um I, and, I Oh, go, sorry.
0: Go Oh no, you go ahead please. <laughs> I
1: do I do resonate to the Hebrew meaning the YHWH and you know there there were a lot of Jewish people who ended up in the family and so the kabbalistic leanings were very Um, resonant yeah and um, it was it wasn't that it's not that I really am into the Jewish religion I although I was raised in I call it the culture of Judaism but um, it was something that just felt very comfortable and felt very right to me
0: I think that that's super interesting and not something um, that I I knew uh, but it seems like a lot of other um, spiritual groups of any kind sort of are more based on like, um, an offshoot of like Jesus in a lot of ways. Uh, and a lot of people come from a Christian background. It's interesting to hear that there were a lot of people coming from like a Jewish background. Um, and I wonder why, (laughs) you
1: know, the thing with Jim Baker as was born, um, what his mother would take him to whatever church, temple, whatever was near where they lived, and she didn't raise him in any particular religion at all. Uh-huh. So he had a lot of different influences, and I think that's part of what made him so open minded towards belief in general.
0: That's cool. Um, and I guess one question I've uh asked everyone is. And what I think is, you know, a piece that most people don't understand is I imagine you can explain it. But the feeling that he gave off, um, like there's just when you look at anyone super famous or super whatever, they give off a feeling. They have a energy, uh, something. Uh, can you describe what his energy is like?
1: When. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> when. So- when. um. When you sat in front of him, it was most amazing because he would look at you and you felt like he was talking to you. You felt like whatever energy he had, he was giving to you. He was that focused and it was incredible. He was not the kind of person that shied away from looking you straight in the eyes. And when you looked him straight in the eyes, it just felt like, yes, I'm supposed to be here. This is, you know, it, it was it was mesmerizing. Yeah. And I didn't say that that was in a negative way at all. I think it was positive because it allowed me to drop my limitations. And yeah. I think with many cults it's a very, it's a razor's edge because many leaders take advantage of that moment when they know that they have that mesmerization. Yeah. He did not do that. Some people will say that he did. I never had that experience. I felt like I was always in a place I wanted to be.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that that's, um, super cool and and an important distinction is i think um one thing with cults or whatever alternative religions all of this stuff is that i think it's a lot of people realize that the way the world works doesn't work for them doesn't seem normal doesn't seem right it's it seems wrong and the way they've been you know forced to live in these boxes doesn't feel right so you go out and you find um other people that sort of resonate more with you and I think it's super cool that like to me finding someone that makes you more you um is is the best thing in the world so I, I realize that sometimes yeah there's people take advantage or it goes in different directions but at at the source at the beginning of it like that's awesome is to find yourself and not be stuck in these boxes that don't make sense to you um <clears throat> and I think a lot of people, think that that's like an adolescent concept but it's not like uh it's just there's a bunch of different ways to look at reality and the idea that government and society is right not what feels true to you is i think really i think is even weirder than trying to find someone you connect with that's you know it just it makes sense to me
1: (laughs) i look at Typical religions like Christianity and Judaism and even Islam, I mean, they're just as much cults as we were. They just, they were just really into their own belief system and they managed to get a lot more followers. You know, we had a much smaller group and it was, it, that's why we called it a family because it was more like a family. We had, individual relationships with everyone it wasn't like um you know people who were in rajneesh for instance they had this relationship with him but it was way arm's length away you know and they all felt i mean i I had a friend who (laughs) interestingly enough when when i joined the source she was criticized me a lot and then after i left the source years later um And I was a clothing and costume designer, and I came back to Chicago, and I had this little store, and I see this school bus drive up, and she comes out dressed all in pink. (laughs) She's into Rajneesh. (laughs) That's so cool to me. (laughs) Oh, you know, it was just a very interesting time to be alive. We were all searching for alternatives. And um, at the time, I was kind of like, oh, so you were – slagging me off for being in the source family now what's what's with you all dressed in pink yeah you know eventually i mean today we're we're friends again and she's um you know i appreciate what she's been through and i i think that everyone should be through some experience that is outside of the norm to break free of those old patterns that we were brought up in yeah you know this is the way you have to live
0: yeah i mean that those those things that were virtues of staying in a relationship you hate and doing all of these things and having a job you hate and um you know all that 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 cycle doesn't make any sense to me either it just i don't i don't and i don't think it makes sense to those people that do it either i think that's why they like frown upon you know, things like this, because they're just like, you You can't do that. And it's like, wait, can you? No, I, you know, it's, I think the yeah. freedom uh, to find yourself is pretty, you know, scary to other people. But one question I have for you is um, something I've noticed uh, is that when, when I most feel like, oh, I'm supposed to be here, this is exactly my path this kind of thing um i've found that a lot of those things um are attached to past life stuff in, in a way that i didn't understand until recently uh just in the sense i have said this before on this but um we i i was uh we we have like a band healer and she told me that um i had been a jazz singer in a previous life and i was like that's crazy cuz i went to jazz school in the you know now and i did all the, and it's like that doesn't make any sense for this life uh but just like when you're doing something and you're like kind of hellbent on it i found there's always this sort of not always but a lot of time a past life connection do you feel that you all or you and Yeho are have um like many lifetimes together how do you Absolutely. feel about that
1: okay <laughs> you know it it's it's funny because he, he was not into past life regression or any of that sort of stuff. He did channel before it was known as channeling. And basically we saw it as he went, he would tap into the Akashic records and bring the information out to us so that we could incorporate it and remember. But as far as past lives, he always said, you know, there's only 10% of your brain that's actually, that you know what's working. The rest of it is like, it's filled with so much stuff you don't even want to know. <laughs> if you knew about all those past lives, you would suddenly be faced with the predicament of having to reconcile all the shit you did wrong. Wow. That this life is for getting it all right. You know, and he said that when we were what we were together as a family was working out all of our karmic ties from the past, and that we were just there to get it right. And that was all we really needed to focus on. i I know what you're saying about um that feeling of almost deja vu. I, yeah. I remember having a feeling very distinctly when I was in the third grade and doing a report on Greece and feeling like, why do I have to draw this Greek key and why wow. do I find to these togas and you know, all that sort of stuff And it was just it's something that, um, even in the source family when I was a clothing designer in the source family, That's many so
0: cool. Thank you for all of your beautiful clothing. I so sorry real quick because i I had like when i watched it i had a a real camera film camera and i took so many photos of of the beautiful fashion and have them developed and like used to have them on my wall it's just like that's my favorite art is uh your clothing
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's so nice i mean just yeah that's amazing uh, sorry That was basically just that. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have had those kind of situations when I've met certain people in my life, I just felt like we knew each other. How do I know you? I've known you before like that. And it just, you know, I think that those moments are there for us to pay attention to. Right. Um, You know, sometimes they're to tell you, stay away from this. Right. Look <laughs> at that moment and decide okay where does this go? And it's all up to you. You get to decide wherever it goes, you know?
0: Yeah. That's super cool. Thank you. That's a good reminder. Thank you. I'm always trying to put things in extreme places but it can be all sorts of different things, good and bad and helpful and whatever else. Um but that's so cool. So so you designed all the clothes. Sorry.
1: <laughs> I didn't design all of the clothes. I designed many of the clothes and so yeah. I loved my style. Um, yeah. He encouraged me. He he uh created a line of clothing that he wanted me to do. It was called Grab yeah. Tree Creations mm-hmm. and uh, I'll see if I can flip to something really quick to find it, but Yeah. Uh, it was, it was just one of those things that, Oh, here is. Yeah. This was, Oh, it's in the book. Wow. Yeah. And this was, that was me in the so front. Cool.
0: Yeah. So, um, oh my God. That's so just, cool. to, yeah. That's so cool. Um, you know, that's a. I I mean, for me, that's a huge part of <laughs> a huge part of it. Um, but yeah.
1: One of the things that happened was that all of the women tried in some form or other to put stuff together. I just happened to be really good at it. I happened to be really fast. And um one of the ways you know, when you when you're living with 140 people, you look at how do you cut corners, you make your yeah. own clothes, you know? Yeah, and so for sure. <laughs> I just ended up making a lot of clothes. I have a great story in the book about how when we stopped wearing white. Yehoah wanted us to wear colors and he invited me into his room and said okay we're going to go through every woman in the family everyone's getting three yards of velvet and I'm going to decide what color each one you know and he we went through you know to 80 women yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay and then I had to go to the fabric store and spent most of the day there just like yeah Yards and yards and yards of velvet, and um, that was just a really fun story. And and that's so
0: cool, yeah. Um, one question is: um, when you say the Akashic record, is that what he called it, or you guys called it, or is that what you? I'm just curious about
1: that. (laughs) The Akashic records are the invisible libraries of knowledge that are just out there in the universe and um we were very much into the teachings of mabel collins from the theosophical society and she talked very much about the akashic records in her books um specifically when the sun moves northward and uh light on the path and so that gave us a lot of insight into you know the akashic records are basically the intuitive knowledge that you just go within to find yeah can't find it any you know you can find books like mabel collins at the library and like you know inspirational but really it's all inside and you have to just still your mind enough so that you can just come up with that knowledge that just comes forth when you let it, if you just let it,
0: yeah. Well, I guess uh, th- the next subject is that um, we we're a band, Death Valley Girls is a band, um, okay, and yeah, and uh, and we're from Los Angeles, and we I I channel all of the music, um, so uh, but I don't have a, like, like I'm just learning about all this because it's it's definitely like a state that I go into that isn't uh-huh. a state; it is a inward but a complete opening. So I understand, but I'm just curious, uh, you know, to learn more about, um, other people's experience. And I guess speaking of music and stuff, what can, um, was the music and the band, um, a big part of it for you?
1: The, you know, when we first, when I first got there, there was no music and band. Yeah. Something that evolves and, um, At the time, you know, when I joined the family, I was certainly into the music of the day. I mean, Led Zeppelin, Jim Morrison, yeah. um, you know, there was just, there were so many, I was really into that whole scene at the time. Yeah. So um, when Yehoah put the band together, you know, we all just kind of, it just naturally resonated. We all, yeah. <laughs> We tried to fit in the band room. We didn't fit. He yeah. had put in the our meditation room so that, you know, we could all be dancing or whatever and listen to the music because we always did the music in the morning right after meditation. Okay, And so um, that was when all of those albums were recorded because it was all spontaneous, as you probably know. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: That's super cool. That's kind of how we do it too. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that that was something that was I didn't have words for what was happening or what we do until kind of like realizing that it's sort of the same thing. It's just uh, and that that's the sound, you know, when you first hear something, you don't realize, oh, that's um, improvised. You just are like, oh, that's that's the truth. That's the exact whole truth. And there's every single sound is uh, intentional. Um, right. and I guess in some ways it is. But it's just cool that that was. Uh, improvised as well and and that all of it was documented i think or not all of it but so much of it was documented i think is well,
1: most all of it was documented some was lost and there were some like this the album savage sons of yehoah those were all songs that um some of the guys in the family had come up with and there were a couple of women who had songs too um their music was not as prevalent probably because most of the energy went into the band with you yeah. and you know it, it was what it was
0: yeah now i can imagine that being um uh maybe possibly frustrating <laughs> just like having a, you know uh but we you know that's just from my personal um it, it takes a lot to go and play music and be part of jams is very um challenging and uh you know it's 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 not for everyone and I could imagine if I were there it might not be I'd be maybe too scared to do it I don't know (laughs) but uh I'm sure there is a variety of feelings about it
1: (laughs) I think the women who were singing there was Aum and Cinderella and Aquariana and um there were a couple others too and they 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 did their own thing and they were playing with other people and uh in the family, so it was all within the family. Um, oh,
0: so there were other bands and stuff,
1: kind of, yeah, 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 that's and, so and cool. It, it just didn't really get focused on as much as Yehoah 13, yeah, uh, because you know, we didn't have totally unlimited money, i mean, it seemed like it sometimes, <laughs> but it was. Yeah. You know, we hit the wall at a point and it was just like, okay, where, where how do this? Yeah. But it, it, with the restaurant, that it did help to fuel us quite a bit. Yeah. But after we sold the restaurant, then uh, somebody in the family had come up with the term, uh, we sold the goose that laid the golden egg. Oh, so. uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's, and then, so do you, Okay. And so I know it's all so much stuff, but, and then you moved to Hawaii?
1: Well, uh, yeah. You know, Yehoah had this feeling he had these, you know, predictions that never really came off entirely about, you know, there being, uh, you know, there was going to be a nuclear Holocaust that it was everything in the Mideast was going to blow up and, and, that we were going to be safer in California going into the ocean and all of those predictions that you've probably heard about in other mediums. But um, we had thought we would, we'd be safer living in Hawaii because measured from the bottom of the ocean floor, Mauna Kea is the tallest mountain in the world.
0: Wow, that's so cool. And so we
1: thought, you know, when the waters recede, there'll be a lot more land, and you know, we'd be okay, and we could grow our own food and all of that. Yeah. So, yes, we all moved to Hawaii, and we were on a continuous journey, though, because at the time, it was there was no, even today, there really isn't any kind of setup unless you have a really unlimited amount of money. Okay. You set up a place where all those people could live together as a family. It was just very. Yeah. And so time we'd get comfortable somewhere. We'd get kicked out. <laughs> get yeah, out Place else. And we ended up living on all the islands and that was kind of how we ended up. We were back. At, we went back to San Francisco for a while. He went on a round the world trip trying to find our home. He couldn't yeah. find Anywhere, came back to hawaii there, actually we met him in san francisco that was what happened we met him in san francisco and then we ended up going back to hawaii again so
0: yeah well it's i think that those the issues um of why to leave here <laughs> make sense i think those will always be like threats and uh whatever else it's just funny not funny it's um it's just interesting that it, it started in Los Angeles in a way. And, uh, and that, yeah, I always think like, Oh, could that happen today? Where could it happen today? Where could that many people live and make food? And I mean, I'm sure there are communities like that, uh, that exist. Um, but it's just like, yeah, it's just so cool. And so it makes sense. Like you would think, yeah, Hawaii makes sense. Uh, it's just, it's wild to think that, um, You know, just it's such a special and it's such a large group of people like it's so many people uh, and it's in, you know, you all had relationships, but that's a lot of people to have to take care of. And how many years did you all take care of each other uh, before you moved?
1: Well, I I was with the family for about five years. That's so cool and crazy. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I left about a year after Yehoah passed. Okay. I was just I was just done. I needed I, I was I was um it was just before my 21st birthday. Wow. I had some life experience. That's... And I was I was part of a council of thirteen that ran the family, but I was one of the younger ones and my word was never really <laughs> um it never carried much weight. Okay. Much of that is because I didn't have a lot of life experience. So I needed to go out and get some. Yeah. And, well, I certainly did that. Yeah. Well, so, <laughs> <laughs> you you have kids? I forgot. I just darn forgot to have children. Oh. Um, I got so busy with so no, many. No, no,
0: no. No, I just, <laughs> I was, I only asked that just because of, are you, you're an aunt, I'm an aunt, uh, yeah. is like. Imagining my 21-year-old niece uh, leaving an experience, you know, having, you know, live something that um, full and whatever the words you can think of, just at that age, like even myself until, you know, I did not know anything before 30, honestly, you know, so it's just, it's so cool that you had such a wild ride and then i i know probably you talk about it in your book which um everyone needs to get but yeah what like uh i guess after i see one of the things i think is that like a band which we're in and it we've been in this band for 10 years and it's we travel around um you know, spreading our our gospel and, you know, and pick up people and we have belief systems and um, we want people, you know, to feel good and that's our message. And, you know, it's just, it's sort of like, it's not similar because we're just always moving, um, but similar in the sense that we're, it's our conviction that that leads us on in this way that doesn't seem conventional to <laughs> other people. And I guess it's just, um yeah, is that you You do get to a point where you're like, what is happening? And I guess I'm just curious, when you um, left there after so much life experience, at, but at such a young age, 21, like, then what did you do? How did you do more stuff? You know, how long did it take to calibrate everything, if you don't mind?
1: <laughs> well, that's okay. I left with um, this guy who was... uh he was one of our neighbors. His name was Cygnus. Yeho- he sat in front of Yehoah. He got a name. He he was a very charismatic guy too. Um okay. And I went and lived with him for about a year and a half, and went through some deep dark holes with that. And you'll just have to read about that in the book because yeah. I figured out how to talk about it. I can answer questions, but oh, I'm-, I'm
0: sorry that.
1: No, 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 it's okay it's really yeah. okay but the thing that happened that was really exciting was that i found my power my personal power with him and when i decided to leave him yeah back to chicago Congrats. and <laughs> now what happened there was really wonderful my sister was working at a store called fiorucci in water tower place on michigan oh,
0: like fiorucci
1: like Fiorucci, Whoa,
0: yeah, cool. <laughs> it was like this was
1: 1979, and punk was just like, you know, it was in its infancy in Chicago. Yeah. So, anyone who worked at Fiorucci in Chicago had to audition for the job. Wow. And there were some really wild people who were working there, and so. I walked in, I was hanging out for a little while and the owner just came up to me and said, you should work here.
0: (laughs) That's so cool.
1: (laughs) So I did that for a little while and I met, I mean, I met people who I still am friends with now. I met the man who introduced me to my now husband um, and he is in a band called My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult. Oh, no
0: way. Cool. That's awesome.
1: And he, he and I worked at Fiorucci together. Joe Shanahan, who owns the Metro Smart Bar, he worked at Fiorucci. We are still friends.
0: That's um, so cool.
1: And, you know, it really just kind of laid down a whole thing for me. And another friend that I had met, um, she was working at Chicago Costume Company during Halloween. Oh, wow. <laughs> she got me to go and, and do that with her. And the woman who owned Chicago Costume saw my talent and she said, you know, I want to open up a boutique and, you know, you could sue your designs and sew whatever you want and run the store for me. And it was like, I did that for about six months and I realized, you know, I think we've taken advantage of each other enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this gal that I... um had met that got the job, she and I decided to open up our own little boutique and we called it Studio Soso.
0: Cool. And,
1: um that's actually going to be my second book is I'm going to write about my time um when I was being a clothing and costume designer in the avant-garde world. Oh, that
0: is so cool.
1: In the 80s. And then also meeting all of these rock bands and mostly european ones, having these wild affairs and i guess they call it being a groupie now but uh <laughs> awesome it was a lot of fun i had more fun than anyone should have no i didn't i had as much fun as i should <laughs> that's so cool yeah I, yeah it was it was very cool and i i did have a lot of life experience i mean i did so many things in chicago i i used to hold these fashion shows I used to have these um, at, at Christmas time. I would run these big um, uh, artists bazaars where wow. all their materials. I I started out like I did one at this at the Metro uh, with Joe. Joe let me do it there. <laughs> and I had about oh I don't know maybe a hundred people. The next year after that I did it at Navy Pier. There was over two hundred artists. Wow. And, so I did, I've done a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. And then um, I, I ended up moving back to Hawaii in 1989. I okay. just, feel like I'm tired of designing clothes for four seasons a year. This is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I had not met the man of my dreams, it, although I had met the man of my dreams, I just didn't know it at the time.
0: Aww. <laughs>
1: and then in my third book when I go back to Hawaii and I opened up a metaphysical bookstore cafe in a little town called Pahoa on the Big Island. Okay. And I'm still there.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. What an amazing journey. That's super cool. Um congratulations. That's just like Sounds like the dream many, many times over. Um, I'm super excited for your next book to hear about all of uh you know, what is that like the eighties or the The seventies? Yeah, this
1: is this is the mock up of the cover. That's me. Wow. Oh, did so you already worked on it? Oh yeah, I have I have a start. Yes.
0: Oh my goodness, you're so cool. That's awesome. Congratulations. That's like super cool i guess oh real quick is that i i just didn't think of this before but what is your process for um we've had authors on here before but what's your process for writing i like to ask because it might help someone that's stuck um
1: you know um I am from the Natalie Goldberg school of writing where, you know, you just do wild mind writing. You just put the pen on paper and go and you don't stop and you just don't edit nothing. You just keep going. And that has evolved to working on the keyboard and I do it the same way. Although I have a hard time on the keyboard sometimes because I want to edit, but anyway, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, and I've taken a lot of writing courses so that I could actually learn how to be a better writer. But what I found as a memoir writer that has been incredibly useful is looking at old photographs and even more importantly, listening to music from the time when wow. I like to write about, because when I hear those songs, I go into this reverie of like oh yeah i was doing this that and the other i mean it when i had studio so so i used to make these mixtapes of all these you know artists that you know i would just play them all day long while i was sewing and, and making clothes and so um to me that always taps me right back into those moments listening to music looking at pictures and um you know bug your friends bug the shit I- <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Ask him. Okay, we were doing this. What were we doing? What was I thinking? What were you thinking? You know, just, just have no, have no limitations. You know, just don't be afraid to ask your friends, ask your family. What did you think at the time? You know, I I know I was a little what I was, but what did you, think? you know, and and you'll get different points of view, and. When you do get those different points of view, it will spark something in you to be able to remember, well, what did really happen? Yeah, so I that's hope that's amazing.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Thank you so much. And I guess just one last question um, is uh, I feel like, how do you like having, having so many different lives? Uh, so many different lives, how do you? like move forward i think everyone has this so it's not you know i think people forget when they've had these experiences that are have so much joy and tragedy that that they feel like that's super unique which it is but you know like how do you move on with and how do you move on but how do you carry uh what you learned or got or what was taken away from you how do you carry the source experience with you um like when you meet new people or you know just in your life now
1: that's the last word you said (laughs) to it all now you have to live (laughs) in the moment you have to take all that crap that happened to you that you don't want to think about it and don't think about it. It doesn't matter. Did you learn something from it? Did you get through it? Are you still alive? You know, I mean, it's like, yeah, it matter. what matters is what's happening right now. What's happening right now is that, yeah, the guy that I went to London to meet, I didn't meet him intentionally. Frankie was living in London. And I went to see Frankie and I'm there was this guy and he ends up being my husband. He was the brother of the first manager for Bauhaus, Peter Kent. Wow. Cool. And so um <laughs> I didn't know it at the time. We were just like he had saved me from a fallen relationship that I had with this other rock star, but that's a whole other <laughs> anyway. But you know, I mean what matters to me now is that I am in this relationship with a man who I never thought I was going to be in a relationship with, that he is so caring and humble and so the opposite of me, but such a compliment to each other. We, I just feel so blessed. You said before, like you've done all this stuff and I think, yeah, you know, sometimes I just look at. I live the life other people dream about, and I am so grateful. So that's <laughs> the other part of it, is gratitude. And that might sound trite and cliche, no. but you know what? It's true. As long as you are, have gratitude and recognize all the people around you who contributed to your life, and live in the moment because of it, you know, it just do what's in front of you now. Do what's important to you now. What's important to me now is like, okay, so I'm retired and my I need to be creative. And so I've, I've done so many different things that I just had to do something else and which was just write about all the things that I did. That's
0: so, so cool. They- thank you that's an amazing answer and i think uh way more helpful than any other answer uh that anyone could give and then yeah so thank you so much for coming here um is where can people find you find your new book that's coming out in october and find your next 25 (laughs) books you're gonna write
1: (laughs) well i'll be happy if i write three but i suspects i'm gonna i'm gonna have it on amazon because i know that's the place that it's gonna sell the most um okay uh, wholesalers can buy it through ingram you know regular bookstores and um i have a website www.dawnherwitz.com okay um i'm going to be selling copies autograph copies from my website and you know that would be very helpful for me to for you to buy it directly from me okay
0: i'll post <laughs> that for link for you and um
1: <laughs> you know i mean you might get some fun swag if you do buy it through me but cool. you know, uh, but, uh, you know uh, um yeah you, find me on my website i'm, I'm on instagram i okay. you know i'll be yeah. sure to
0: tag you everywhere well thank you so much <laughs> uh have the best fall i guess
1: <laughs> yeah thank goodness it's not too cold here right now
0: <laughs> yeah well i hope uh talk to you soon <laughs> thank you thank Thanks you so much, much. For- bye, bye.
1: bye.